Welcome to LJN Radio. I'm your host, Courtney Omernick, and you're listening to I Want to Be A. In each episode, we complete that sentence with a different job, bringing in professionals from a variety of fields and industries to give you the information you need to hopefully land a job and thrive in them. Today, I want to be an elementary school teacher, and to help me figure out what it takes to succeed as an elementary school teacher, we have Michelle Kohan, a teacher from William F. Finkel Academy, a K-8 school in Chicago, Illinois. So welcome, Michelle, and thanks for joining us today. Hi. Thanks for having me. All right. So first off, let's get started. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what attracted you to the education field? Sure. Uh, well, I graduated from University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire um, with a degree in music education, actually. So I teach K-8 through music in Chicago Public Schools, and I love it. What attracted me to the elementary school level is I just love that students of that age are really enthusiastic super open-minded, and they, I mean, they aren't self-conscious yet. They're very forgiving and little and cute. <laughs> Who doesn't love little and cute kids? So, um, <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into this specific field, like teaching at the elementary level? Well, I had actually, it was a job that just kind of came along. Mm-hmm. And when it, you know, when it comes time to finding a job, you kind of have to, especially in today's economy, you have to kind of take what comes up. And um, it's something that I've been really, really lucky to have because I didn't actually think in college that I would be teaching elementary kids, but I love it. And I'm super glad that I got this opportunity. They can be a little challenging at times because they like to play around and, but that's the same for every kid. And um, it's just, uh, it's, it's really great. I I love them. And they're very enthusiastic about learning. i they're a great age to teach. Awesome. So speaking of like you're in college and you talked a little bit about being at Eau Claire and your educational background, what sort of educational background do you have? If you could just tell our listeners a little bit about that. Well, I graduated with a degree in music education. For me, it's a little bit different because I just teach music to the kids. But if you're going to be just a regular elementary school teacher mm-hmm. and teach one grade, um, the certificate is a little bit different. Usually you'll have just like a, your certificate will say what grade you are able to teach, where mine is pre-K through 12. So I differ a little bit from like a regular elementary school teacher, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. While being in college, were there any extracurricular activities that you did that kind of helped you decide that this is what you wanted to do or help make you know, the um, education process a bit easier and you're studying a bit easier? Actually, yeah. Um, I did a lot of music organizations, but I found it was really important to get involved in a lot of, like, organizations that are teaching-based, attend a lot of conferences. It was easy to network with more people Mm -hmm. and meet people and share, like, teaching resources and lesson plans, and that's super important in the Uh, teaching industry. So there's a lot of people out there who have to continue to take different courses annually kind of to spruce up on their knowledge of their field. So do you have to take any continuing education courses annually? Or if so, like how many hours each year do you have to do that? Um, Yes and no. I know Mm -hmm. Illinois is a little bit different than Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. But in Chicago Public Schools, we have to take 
what's called university, or they're called CPSU credits. And we actually, we don't have to pay for those. They're kind of offered as a professional development day where you go and listen to a speaker, and that counts as towards, counts towards your continuing education. But I know in Wisconsin, we have um, a professional development plan, which is basically like a plan that you set up, you set goals, and you get your goals approved. And then you have to show that you've worked on these goals and made progress and that um, sort of your continuing education. Okay, that's that's good. So now that you've talked a little bit about background and the hours that you have to put in, can you take us through the process of applying for jobs after you've graduated, got all of your certifications in? So what types of things do job seekers you think need to know that are applying for maybe positions at the elementary level? Well, always have a cover letter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of employers won't even look at your application if you don't have a cover letter. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're always spell checking. It sounds, you know, like you should know that already, but (laughs) a lot of people forget this is spell check. (laughs) Um, Make sure that your cover letter is relevant to the school that you're applying to. Mm -hmm. I know there are a ton of employers that, say they get cover letters that don't even have the correct school name on top. So, Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they won't look at that. Nope. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Make sure it's relevant to the school you're applying to. What I do and what's really helped me kind of save time when I applied for positions is I kind of have a a base cover letter with a lot of transitions and um, Mm -hmm. it talks about myself. But then I look at the school's website to see what their mission statement is their school population, things that are really important to the school. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I can put that in my cover letter to show that, uh, you know, I am definitely interested in this school and this position and, you know, show that I have done my research on their school. So it's also really, really important to talk yourself up in your cover letter. Mm -hmm. You have to sell yourself and why you are the best pick for that school. So I would say don't be afraid to make yourself sound good because, they, they got to know why you are the best choice. Exactly. So what about now that we have all these resumes and cover letters sent out, what about the job interview for elementary education level teachers? Are there any tips or advice for this part of the process that you have? Definitely. Come prepared with questions. That's a big thing. They will mm-hmm. ask you if you have any questions. If you don't have any questions, it kind of sounds like you're not really interested in learning more about their school. Mm-hmm. So. Make sure you have questions and remember that you are kind of interviewing them also. You want to know if if your school is going to be a school that's a good fit for you and a place that you would enjoy being. There's a lot of common sense stuff for the interview, like get there early, dress nicely. Mm -hmm. But it's very important also to send a thank you letter. I think actually one of the reasons that I was able to get my job is I I sent a thank you letter and it kind of makes uh, you stand out from other candidates. Um, and thanks them for, you know, they took time out of their day to interview you, and um, it's just common courtesy. So it's also really important before you go in to review some of your buzzwords. What do a lot of administrators look for buzzwords, like really important things that they will find you'll have in your teaching? So what do some of these mean? Look up, you know, what are core concepts and your backwards planning, differentiation, Scope and sequence, all of those words that you'll learn about, you know, throughout 
your college education courses. Make sure you look up how you're going to put them into your lesson planning and your teaching style. Be super personable and just honest. Nobody wants to hire a stuffy elementary teacher. So, <laughs> you know, just be yourself and uh, be prepared. That's the, that's the best advice I, I can give. Great. So now that we've kind of gone through the background a bit, could you walk us through your typical day? Sure. Uh, my day is a little bit different because, like I said, I mm -hmm. teach music. So I see all of the students and not just one specific grade level. But I usually come in around 7.15. We start school at 8. My day is very spread out. So I might start with the first hour will be 7th grade music class. And then right after 7th grade, I'll have 2nd grade, then kindergarten, then 8th grade. Lots of uh, big jumps between the grades. Um, and then they'll have, I'll have like a prep period where I can get stuff ready for the next classes and a lunch in there somewhere. Like I said, teaching just one grade, the schedule is a lot different. Mm -hmm. So go through all your subjects, your reading and your math and science. And then my school really does um, a lot with small group instruction. Mm -hmm. So kids will have what is called centers and they might study reading at one center and they'll work, you know, with the teacher in another center. And that's, that's a really important thing for my school. And I know a lot of schools right now are really focusing on uh, small group instruction. So, and kids throughout the day will have their specials class, which mm -hmm. would be going to music or going to art, gym, all that kind of stuff. So what do you love about your career? Oh, gosh. Um, so many things. <laughs> I I would have to say the kids, really. I mean, I, I have really, really great students, and mm -hmm. I work with a really great staff. And I mean, last year was my first full year teaching, and everybody was just very helpful and very um, open to new ideas. And that feels really great as a new teacher. And my students were also very accepting, and they... They're just really great kids. I And I love being able to have to think quickly because with elementary kids, sometimes you have to change your plans a lot. And I, I like that aspect of the job, that it's, that it's high energy. All right. So on the flip side of that, what about what are the things that you dislike about your career are extremely challenging? Well, um, a lot of times working with administration can be difficult. Um, especially with music, if there aren't enough funds for things mm. that, you know, I would I would like in my classroom. Scheduling is very difficult if you are trying to set up an assembly and, you know, different classes have, you know, can't come to the assembly mm -hmm. and it gets a little stressful. There is a lot of stress. Uh, you deal with a lot of situations that occur in class and you have deadlines, lesson plans, and you don't always want to make phone calls. Um, to parents say, you know, oh, little Johnny is not behaving in class today. Mm -hmm. And it, it gets a little stressful having to be so high energy for eight hours mm -hmm. of your day. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. I like it. <laughs> so speaking of stress, how do you handle that? And what maybe tips or advice do you have for others? You really have to find a hobby and something uh, to de-stress yourself when you get home. So most days I actually stay at school late. And I finish everything that needs to be done for the next day. So when I go home, I don't have to worry about, you know, doing any preparation. Um, it's already done. And that way, when I get to school the next day, I can feel like 
ready to start my day and not stress out mm-hmm. about it. I also like to just, you know, do things that are relaxing, like work out or watch a TV show or, you know, do something crafty, cook something. Anything that just kind of makes you feel relaxed, you, you definitely have to find find that. <laughs> Good. So um, switching gears a little bit, part of the teaching profession is obviously not only working with students, but working with your parent, the parents. And you mentioned a little bit about that in the previous question about making calls and that sort of thing. So how easy or challenging is that part of your job? For me, it's a little challenging. I, working, I work in an area of Chicago Public Schools. That's a very high Latino population. Mm-hmm. And I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, most of my students speak English, but a lot of my parents speak Spanish. So if I have to talk to them, um, I have to get a translator, which is fine. There's mm-hmm. a lot of them that are available. It's challenging for me in just that I know most teachers are like me in that they don't like to make phone calls that, you know, if, if their kid isn't cooperating in class or isn't doing their best, it's, it's not fun to make those phone calls home to parents. But I have to remember that parents want the best for their kids and they want to know what's going on. And they are super receptive to knowing what's happening with their child in class. So a lot of times problems in class can be solved with just a simple phone call and parents really, really, really want to stay informed. So that's something that I personally need to work on, but it's also um, it's also cool to be able to call a parent and say, hey, Susie is doing such a great job. And a lot of times if it's a student that isn't used to getting praise like that, mm-hmm. it will really help help them through like propel themselves throughout the year and motivate them to keep doing better because kids like to hear praise from their parents and from their teachers. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it can be easy. It can be challenging. It all kind of depends on your parents. We talked a little bit about just doing the different extracurriculars that you had that helped you out in college to get prepared for this position. But as far as extracurriculars in the school setting go, what expectations are placed on you as a teacher to get involved in like extracurriculars that the students have? And is it a part of your formal job description or is this optional? Well, for me, it's mostly optional. I really don't, there aren't really any expectations Mm -hmm. to start anything that's an extracurricular club or anything. It might be different at other schools. At my school, there isn't any compensation for it. So I think the principal thinks, well, we can't compensate you. So you don't need to start anything. But I actually, you know, every district is different depending on their funding available. I wanted to have some sort of musical ensemble at my school. Um, and we don't actually have enough budget to buy instruments for a band. So I started a choir. I don't get paid for it, but the kids love it. So do I. It's just kind of a chance for them to hang out after school. And we, you know, sing songs and they've never had a choir before. So it's just, I think those extracurriculars are very important for kids to kind of get a chance to, you know, uh, relax, not have to worry about doing something for a grade, but do something that they love and kind of figure out what mm-hmm. it is that their hobbies are. And so I, I think they're important, even though that they're not required at my school. That's good. So I have to ask you now, because our listeners are going to be high schoolers and college students who are kind of looking to shape their future and possibly go into this field. So can you give us a ballpark of the compensation for this position? Yeah, sure. Uh, CPS starts at 
CPS, Chicago, Chicago Public Schools, starts at about 45000 a year, which sounds pretty great, but uh, city living is a lot more expensive mm-hmm. than, uh, you know, living in, like, Oshkosh. But every district is very different. So some will start you at 32000 some will start you at 38000 um, it's different, you know, more if you have your master's, which a lot of, um, a lot of, you'll hear a lot of recommendations to not get your master's first um, mm-hmm. before you have teaching experience because you are more experienced, it, or you, you are more expensive, but less experienced. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of times I feel it's a good idea to get some teaching experience before you get your master's. You can usually find it on like a school board website, uh, what their starting pays are. It's, yeah, it's very different, very different for every every area. But I would say in Wisconsin, it's probably around thirty-two to thirty-eight thousand. Good to know. So, if you had to do it all over again, I want to know: Would you choose this path, and why? Yes, I would. <laughs> uh, I I love going to work, and I'm so glad that I can say that. And I just I love being able to do something that to be able to share what I'm passionate about with other kids and able to kind of be a role model and just, you know, I think it's super important to love what you do. And, and I do. So I'm super glad I can say that I would definitely do it again. You talked a little bit about a little bit earlier about like your work hours and then being high energy level and that sort of thing. And you're talking about how much you love your job. So is there a certain personality or work ethic that's required to be successful as an elementary level educator? Yeah, I think it's important to be, you know, to have a lot of energy. And like I said before, nobody wants a stuffy Mm -hmm. elementary school teacher that isn't going to make learning fun, you know. And when you're young, you you learning is super fun for little kids, and they're they're so enthusiastic. And it's important to bring that to the classroom and just be a you know a very genuine, excited person that can show kids how cool it is to learn and and you know what, mm-hmm. what great things there are in the world so perfect well I have one final question for you Michelle if you were in the shoes of the job seeker what do you wish someone told you about the industry and um, maybe some last pieces of advice so wish that someone would have told you then about the industry that you don't that you didn't necessarily know and maybe some last pieces of advice that's a great question I you know, I'm sure a lot of people did tell me this type of stuff in college, but I was just like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever, <laughs> you know, and not didn't really take it to heart. But it's very important to make connections, build a lot of friendships and go to those conferences, teaching conferences and meet people. And because if you're trying to get a job somewhere and, and somebody remembers you from a conference and you were interested in their program or you shared some resources or, you know, you talked about something that really made an impact on that person, they'll remember you and you might be the perfect fit for an opening position in their district. And it is, it's super important to to build those connections and meet people, get involved with just anything you can and reach out and, and actually ask for opportunities. So if you really remember that your second teacher, your second grade teacher was an amazing teacher and you had a lot of fun in her class, you know, call her up and ask if you can observe her because anything that you do is just going to make you 
you know, anything that you do positively is just going to make you a better teacher. And Mm -hmm. that's what teaching is all about. You're continually learning about new things. You you never stop learning. And it's a constant reflective process where you're realizing what works and what doesn't work and how how you can get better. And so if there's somebody that you admire, ask to observe them and, you know, have them teach you their tricks. Don't blow off your classes in college. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, study hard, but make friends too. And you'll need you'll need friends, especially in uh, teaching. It's great to bounce ideas off them. It's such a sharing profession. There are, I mean, it sounds so so nerdy, <laughs> but my <laughs> friends and I from from college will get together and we just talk about stuff that we do in the classroom. And oh, that's a great idea. I wish I would have thought of that. You know and mm-hmm. And you can bring it back to your classroom. And so it's just super important to make those connections and really, um, you know, just make sure it's something that you are passionate about doing because nobody wants a teacher that doesn't want to be there. And you are really, you know, building a love of building a love of learning for kids. And it's important what you're doing. So keep that in mind. and. Just build connections. Very important. Well, Michelle, I actually lied. Um, I do have one more question for you. Oh, you do? <laughs> yes. Because now that you're talking about conferences, seeing as how I'm not in the education realm, I don't really know much about it. Could you maybe talk a little bit just about the conferences, like where they're located, how maybe someone who's a college student can find conferences to go to, what kind of happens there? Just kind of a little brief overview to give to someone maybe in college who's looking to go to one of these conferences and network and reach out to other professionals in the education field? Yeah, that's a a great idea. I should have talked about that. (laughs) I'm glad you asked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Well, for music, there is a conference, uh, WSMA, Wisconsin Music State Educators Association. It's been a while since I've been in Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. so I can't quite remember. But um, it's a huge conference held every year at the Capitol or in in Madison mm-hmm. at uh, the convention center. And basically what you do is you go and you can attend a number of little lectures about, you know, any, any subject. So maybe building a band, you know, from scratch or what works in the elementary classroom when you have a student that, you know, maybe has autism. Mm-hmm. Um, basically all of the, the classes and lectures range from just a, a variety of things. If you're looking for, uh, they're usually through an organization. Like mm-hmm. this was through CMENC, which is College Music Educators National Conference. So what I would do is join an educator club through college. I'm not quite sure what the elementary level, um, like what, what those are mm-hmm. in college, but they make them very available to you. You know, say, when you're in college, you'll have a lot of people that will come in and say, hey, join this, join this club, mm-hmm. you know, join this. And usually through that, they will have um, conferences available. You can also go on the websites of that club and they will, you know, list maybe where there is like a, a lecture or a class that you can take. I know basically the Internet is your best tool for that. So but join those those extracurriculars in college mm-hmm. and through that it will be very easy to find those types of conferences. 
All right. Thanks, Michelle. That about wraps up this episode of I Want to Be a. Many thanks again to Michelle Cohan from William F. Finkel Academy in Chicago, Illinois. I would like to take this final moment to encourage our listeners to continue listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, this has been Courtney Omernick for localjobnetwork.com radio. And thank you for tuning into today's program. Mm-hmm.